friends, welcome to the final follow-up Friday, episode 10 of season two. I'd love to start by apologizing for how long it took me to get you this episode. I'll be honest with you, it has been challenging trying to keep up with all of the demands of being a father of twin daughters, running a school, running a nonprofit, and just taking care of all the other things in life that matter. I've actually had such a great time putting these episodes together that I'm sad to see them end, but I do need to create a little more space in my life. And this goes in alignment with a lot of the advice I've been giving throughout the show. We have to choose the things that are most important to us while we're reaching for our goals and trying to find fulfillment in our daily practice. Something I often say to people when I'm offering them something, whether it's a new position at our school or an opportunity in any other part of life, is whatever you say yes to is something you're saying no to. So we need to free up time to do the things that truly matter to us. And I hope that resonates with some of you if you're finding it difficult to get to your music or to whatever the action that you love the most in your life is. Things are going fast right now in my life. I'm watching my kids grow so quick and I'm so happy to be a part of their daily life. I know one day I'm going to look back, they're going to be older, they're not going to want to be picked up so much. And I'm never going to regret that important connection that I've had with them. Periodically, you'll see an extra episode pop up and it'll be something similar to the format that I've been running. It might be another teacher. It might be an idea that I have something so exciting that I can't wait to get it out to you. We're going to keep rolling with our regular long form interviews. And by the time you hear this, we'll already be prepared for the season finale with Dr. Ruth Childs. I've been reading Ruth's book, The Focal Dystonia Cure, and let me tell you, it is such a piece of art and such an important and timely message for not only myself, but I think everybody. I highly recommend you check out the book. Its pages are just full of inspiring, anecdotal, scientific, and just heartfelt observations on why we struggle so much, not just in music, but in everything that affects our daily lives. Well, let's get to it. Today's episode is the top 10 things I wish I'd known before committing to becoming a musician. I'm going to list them in order and then dive in a little deeper. Number one, I wish I'd known I was right. I know that sounds pretty cocky and arrogant, and I'll come back and explain further what I mean, but I wish I'd known that that early version of myself was actually onto something. Number two, The tortoise was right. Go slow and you'll get there faster. Practice makes permanent. Number three, make sure your instrument is easy to play. Number four, be stubborn. Your opinion and your taste in music is unique to you and only you. Don't let anyone tell you what you should be learning. You know in your heart what music really moves you. Follow that. Number five, the struggle is worth it. You will get there. Number six, let your practice do the worrying for you. Number seven, gamify and set rewards. Eight, set goals both weekly and monthly. Nine, visualization is actually effective. And finally, ten, playing music is meditating. All right, let's dive in. Number one. I wish I'd known I was right. In the beginning on the guitar, I made a decision 
that other than my dad, I really wasn't going to ask many people for advice. I'd been burned so many times from music teachers before that it just seemed like they were taking the fun and the joy out of what I really wanted. Whether it was my grandma telling me that I couldn't play Jump by Van Halen on the piano without actually reading the notes, or my grade 7 band teacher telling me that if I didn't understand how to read music, I wasn't actually playing music, it just seemed like that was the common theme. But what I felt was if I could just learn the tunes and the melodies that I really loved first, then I would find the techniques to get further. So step one was just learning tunes. Anything that I wanted. I I knew some of the material was way above my level, but I kept trying and it was fun. Once you're learning tunes, you can start to refine your technique. Look inward, into the songs that you're actually learning. What techniques do they require? Focus on those and develop them up to the point where they become strengths. Don't worry about all of the other techniques that you don't need yet. Focus on the ones that are appearing in the songs you actually want to play. For a guitar player, This might be mastering your basic chords with a simple strum pattern. For a piano player, it might be just a simple melody with the right hand while you find a bass note with the left hand. The next step would be to train your ear. And finally, add the knowledge component. Too often, I find that adult students do this backwards. They start with the theory, then they work on the technique or the ear. And to be honest, I don't find a lot of people emphasizing the ear early enough. There's been a number of consults recently where somebody said, I don't want to learn songs. I just want to understand how music works. And I get it. It's really exciting to learn the nuts and bolts of theory and why a chord progression is the way it is or why this melody works with this set of chords. What's a key signature? What's a time signature? But if you can't actually play the instrument, none of that's really going to help you sound any better. There's a time and a place for theory. I just don't think it's in the very beginning. It doesn't mean you shouldn't learn anything about theory, but just be careful how much time you're setting aside to understand how music works when you should be spending more time figuring out how to play it on the instrument that you actually want to sound good on. Okay, let's move on. My second tip is practice makes permanent. I didn't learn this until about 10, 15 years into my playing. I mean, it sounds so obvious to me now, but I just thought if you kept doing things over and over again, you'd eventually get really good at them. The problem is, If you're doing things incorrectly, you're just going to get really good at doing them wrong. And it's really hard to undo a habit. So every time you learn something new, slow down, make sure you're learning it correctly, get those fingers in the right spots, don't allow for mistakes, and you will get there faster. A great episode to go back and listen to was the follow-up Friday where I talked about my good friend Koa Lee. He is a master of this process. Koa won't even move on from a section until his fingers know exactly where they're supposed to be. Once he gets it just right, he slowly plays the section over and over again, gradually building up his tempo. He visualizes the part at night, right before he goes to bed, and in the morning, checks his work, and if it's all been a success, he'll then move on to the next section. Koa leaves no room for error, and he's an amazing player because of it. So if you truly want to play at your highest level, don't allow mistakes in any form of your practicing. They're going to bite you in the ass. 10 years later, I'm still making the same mistakes I made when I didn't correct them in the first place. It's actually easier to throw the song away and start with something new. So heed this warning. Practice makes permanent. All right, let's move on. My third tip is make sure you're playing on an easy-to-play instrument. So for guitar players, it should feel effortless on your fretting hand. If you play for five minutes and your wrist and your forearms are hurting, whether it's a piano, drums, guitar violin, bass, doesn't matter. 
your instrument is probably too hard for your level. This idea of no pain, no gain couldn't be further from the effective truth. You want this to feel effortless. You want to enjoy the feeling of playing your instrument. If you have to spend a little bit more money in the beginning, take the leap or think about renting an instrument. Go to your local music shop and ask them, what is an easy to play instrument? They'll help you out, do the rental, and if you love that instrument, buy it. My fourth tip is be stubborn. Everyone's going to have an opinion on what you should be doing as a musician. Just ask anyone in your life and they'll tell you what they think the best music is. No one else can feel what you feel when certain music moves you and you relate to it. That's what brought you here. Music that you loved. It's what makes you feel something. Whether it's sad, happy, fast, slow, loud, quiet, it's unique to you. And if you're learning the music that you don't truly love, you're just not going to have enough inspiration to continue through your journey. Which brings me to the next tip. Number five, the struggle is so worth it. If you ever read about successful business entrepreneurs who build these giant billion dollar companies, they'll often say once they succeeded, they became depressed. Or not depressed, but they just got so, it just felt empty. They said that the fun was actually the struggle. And I feel the same about music. In the beginning, I didn't know how to play the guitar. I was so excited. Every little thing I learned was like a nugget of gold. As I got a lot better, I started having these expectations and it just didn't feel as fun. I'm happy to say that right now, over 30 years later, I love it as much, if not more, as I did in the beginning, but only because I've retained that beginner's mindset. The struggle is worth it. Number six, let your practice do the worrying for you. It's that simple. Be objective, not subjective. If you're playing every day, you're going to get better. It's as simple as that. If you don't believe me, pick a set of five songs, let's say. Record it on your phone and then vault it for one month. Practice every day or at least five days a week for a minimum of 15 to 20 minutes on those exact songs that you recorded. And in one month, listen to the difference between the recording that you did a month past and what you're playing now. You'll be shocked at how far you've come. Too often... We think that we're not improving and that's what stops us from getting to our instrument. Trust me, you are getting better. Anyone who plays every day is going to improve. Especially if you remember to practice slowly and correctly. Okay, tip number seven. This is where you can have a ton of fun. Gamify your practice. Don't just do the same thing every day, like going to the gym and doing the exact same workout. Whatever that is, your body's going to get sick of it and you're going to stop seeing results. It's the same in music. Set variety into your daily practice. Change it up. Set targets that are fun. For example, I'm going to play this thing 20 times. Or I'm going to do the exercise that my teacher showed me. And I'm going to practice it five more times every day until I hit a total of 100. Like whatever creative gamification you can think of, it's worth it. Here's an example that I came up with. Every time someone showed me an exercise, it was usually stuck in one position or using the exact same notes over and over again. And after one minute, I'd be bored mindless of this thing. So what I would simply do is move the exercise up one fret on the guitar, do it four times, then move it up another fret, do it four times. This is an example of gamification. It's like you're just climbing around the fretboard of the instrument, moving it one semitone at a time, and hitting a certain amount of reps. The benefit here is you feel like there's a start and an end. By the time you hit a certain range on your guitar fretboard or your piano or whatever instrument you're practicing on, You're done, you move to the new exercise. Everybody benefits when they set goals and aim towards achieving them. And that brings me to point number eight. 
setting a weekly goal or a monthly goal or a yearly goal is a great way to keep moving forward. When we set goals and work to achieve them, it helps define what we truly want in our lives. It helps us prioritize things. And if we choose to simply wander through the process without a plan, that's okay. But if we set goals, it'll help us live the life we truly want to live. And that's all goals really are. I'm not even a big fan of the concept that a goal is going to make us a better person. It's just, I want some sense of direction with the time I spent. So when it comes to music, I often think about where I'm aiming and how am I going to get there? And to me, that's goal setting. Often with brand new students or new consults, I'll say, let's start at the end. If you could play like anyone or any piece of music, what would that be? And let's work backwards. It's a really fun process. Aim big, build a path back to the start, and then walk through each step. One day you will reach your goal. Every day that I set a a list or a, a set of targets or objectives in my practicing, I think about which one of them is the most fun. Sometimes it wasn't even on the original list. It's worth it to take that extra minute just to sit back, breathe, and ask yourself, what do I really want to do with my time? Even if it's just mindlessly noodling on the instrument, that's fine. You might need a little bit of stress reduction, a little bit of just regulation. That's a great time to do it. Set a timer for five minutes and say, for five minutes, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then I'm going to get to the next item on the list. Okay, we're almost done. Number nine, visualization is so much more effective than we give credit. It won't replace physical effort, but when you combine it with a diligent practice routine, goal setting, and all these other items that I've brought up, visualization will push you over the edge. It really will give you the results you might be missing. Now, there's two types of visualization. One is called outcome visualization, where you think about the end result of all this work you're putting in. But the one I'm talking about is called process visualization, where you think about every sort of fingering movement, the sound of the music in your head, and you just picture it quietly. It's certainly a form of meditation, and it will give you results. Your brain can practice these motions silently, and the next time you get to your instrument, you'll be blown away at how much more you've retained. In fact, if you sit down and try to do some process visualization, and you can't even picture where your fingers go on the instrument, it'll let you know what you really need to work on. And the final tip, playing music is meditation. It's mindfulness and it's being present. Doesn't that sound obvious? I mean, what else is it? One of my favorite things about playing music is that I forget about time. I sit down with my guitar and I think I'll just play for 10, 15 minutes. And two hours later, it's like I'm waking up. What happened in those two hours or that 15 minutes? My brain detached from all my worries. I got focused on a craft, something I love, something that brings me joy. That little brain rest allows me to go back to the problems in my life and solve them with a little bit more, I don't know, gusto. I'm a little more excited because I did something for myself. I was about 20 years into my musical process. And if you've listened to this week's episode with Mojo called Chiseling the Hands of Stone, you'll hear how much struggle I had in the... 20s and the early 30s and I happened to go away on this trip with my wife Jill we ended up in Thailand and she booked us for a meditation retreat I thought it was pretty goofy I wasn't really interested but as it happened we met the head monk of northern Thailand and he talked to us about all the different forms of meditation and then sent us away for three days where no one could talk 
there were so many things I learned during that three-day retreat. And hats off to anyone that can get through something like that. I actually had to talk to myself just to not go insane. Anyways, at the end of the whole thing, he pulled us all back together and he said, what did you learn about this experience? And I said, I learned that you're human. And he said, what do you mean? I said, while you were discussing what was about to happen to us, you paused and said, can somebody please get me a cup of warm water? You had a little bit of a cough. He kept going. Then you told us about some of the problems you were experiencing on the west side of Thailand, where refugees from Myanmar were living kind of in between the two countries, and you were going there to help them dig ditches for irrigation and build houses so that they could live. And he nodded his head, and he said, yeah. And I went, it just shows me that you have worry too, like we all do. And he just kind of looked at me, and he gave me this such a nice look, and I just thought... I, I don't know why that really stuck out, but I guess I pictured a guru as being someone that had no worries in the world and everything was just effortless. You just floated around and didn't have to worry about the daily problems the rest of us do. He says, oh no, he goes, I've got just as many problems as you and everyone else. It's just how we focus on them and deal with them. We had a little bit of a chuckle and then I said, hey, I got to ask you a question. When I'm playing my music, my mind turns off from all of the worries in the world. I said, is that meditation? He said, of course it is. It's what you've been doing this whole time. And I kind of strutted out of there and I went, I've been meditating. I mean, I could never meditate. It was always like this awkward process. Sit in the quiet room and my brain would be going a thousand miles an hour, or as he called it, the monkey mind. Good luck catching that monkey. That thing jumps around like a pinball in my brain. But I sit down for music, calms down, brings me that peace, all that creativity, that inspiration, that passion for life. When it's working, by the way. And I hope my top 10 list helps you. Thanks so much for listening to all these episodes of Follow-Up Fridays. It's truly been a pleasure to be a part of your lives. And I'll be back. And you'll hear Mojo and myself for many seasons to come. We really love this little community we've built up. And we're really grateful for all your support. Hey, everybody. Listen up. I'm just... Something to tell you. You are music. You got the music inside you. And don't forget, it's gonna be okay. Not to worry, it's gonna be okay. You know what to cry. And don't forget, you know what to be so scary. You know what to cry. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> she really brilliant. <laughs> hey, buddy, buddy, I got something to tell you. I, you are musical. You have the anxiety. And the full cat. Everybody speaks music. I said.